everyone. Welcome to the Training Edge podcast. For those of you that are new to this podcast, my name is Isaiah Newkirk, and I created this uh, platform to explore how athletes find their edge and how they essentially work to unlock their full potential. Um, and I have a pretty great guest with me today. Um, we go way back, but um, Griffin, Griffin Easter, thank you for joining me. I'm just excited to catch up it's good to see your face basically you too thanks thanks for having me of course <laughs> it's good to see uh, it's been too long it has it has uh <laughs> so griff and i were teammates on actually two different teams which i had to think back upon um <laughs> so we were first teammates on gateway harley davidson um we were both fresh and eager i think to the sport way back when um and then also on 303 project so uh dude how's everything going how's how's life it's it's going, it's going great. Uh, I'm currently based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, more technically kind of based Park City and Salt Lake City. Uh, I, we have some, some friend of ours, friends of ours, our old water polo coach and his family, they oh, live right. up near, huh. near Park City. And so he, he's been a real big uh, integral part in, in the foundation of uh, OP Cure Foundation growing. And so when we, I've been racing, he's, he offered, he's like, Hey, we got an extra room. Uh, if you, if you need a place to stay, you're more than welcome to stay. So that's where I've been based, uh, with all of my things is up in park city. And then my girlfriend lives down in Salt Lake city, super close to where Cullen, my brother Cullen is. Cool. And so I, I split my time between the two locations at the moment. Sweet. Wait, so, uh, I didn't know you, what you played water polo then, but I did that Colin, Colin and myself. And so that cool. was in high school and my dad played water polo. Our oldest brother, Stratton played water polo. Colin was, he was a savage. He was just that. so tenacious that. and aggressive. And he was out of, I think out of all of us, he was, he was the most talented uh, in the pool. And then I got into water polo kind of on the tail end of junior high. So seventh, eighth grade, and then into high school. And so I did that up until my junior year. And, uh, and then I, I kind of got burnt out a little bit. I didn't, I've been doing the high school and club and it was just, it was a lot of water polo, <laughs> but I, I do think it's a, one of the toughest sports out there. And, Dude, and sure. the, the players are just mad respect to those guys and girls yeah. who, who get in the pool and, and do that. Cause it's a super tough sport. Yeah. It's, I mean, talk about a sport that you can't ever zone out. <laughs> no, um, no, there's no rest. Gas. Yeah, it's you're having to tread egg beater, tread water, yeah. and then it's just back and forth and back and forth yeah. in the pool. So, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I wonder if it's similar to kind of like effort wise to hockey in that way. I think I bet you it is. I okay. never have played ice hockey or or anything like that. But our, our oldest brother actually played ice hockey oh, cool. for a long time. Nice. So maybe that's maybe that's how he found his way into water polo. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. That's that's cool. I I man, God, I could never swim well enough to do water polo. That's way beyond yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough cool well uh so did you so you're originally from um where are you originally from so i grew up in claremont california and that's based east of los angeles about 45 minutes drive mm -hmm. it's really close to benelli which there used to be a mountain bike like a u.s cup yeah. mountain bike race out in benelli park and yeah. it's also really close to mount baldy so GMR, Mount Baldy, all those roads. Uh, that was where we would we we got into riding more or less, cool. just up the road, up the street from us. Cool. And then uh, Durango came about with Fort Lewis, right? Like that was the the college transition. Yeah. So as I was finishing up high school, like I said, I kind of stopped playing water polo in junior, like my junior year of high school, and then going into senior year, I also had been playing soccer club and high school soccer. And I got this opportunity, I think it was my junior year of high school to do this race out in Kentucky, because be actually before that I had gone, we, it was like Lance Armstrong era and everybody yeah. was getting into cycling. So one day our dad brought bikes, road bikes home. And so we started to kind of play around on the road bikes. And one of his, his friends through work was a racer. And so we sort of got introduced to bike racing very lightly. And that friend said there was these talent id camps based i can all, all throughout the u.s and so there was one in flagstaff arizona cool. and so my junior year i went out and i did that and i was uh selected not to go to tour of but we were it was like 
the sec so that there was like Tanner Putt was out there, Connor, Connor O'Leary was out there, TJ Eisenhart was out there, Connor McCutcheon, who is one of my teammates back on uh Air Gas Safeway and Team Illuminate, he was out there. Um Morgan Ryan, he was yeah, out there. Yeah, wow, throwback. <laughs> uh so uh Steven Lease, he was out yeah. there. Um, and so there was this whole crew of guys that had done this this camp, and so a part of the guys had been chosen for Toil of Bidibi, and then the next half of guys were were chosen to go to this Red River Gorge race, and it was like a, a one of the premier U.S. stage races for juniors. And it was like an actual UCI race, but that was in Kentucky. And so later that year, I went out and I did that race with Connor McCutcheon, Stephen Lease, uh, Morgan Ryan. We were like Waste Management was the team, Arizona Select. Awesome. And it was uh, directed by Michael Heights. And yeah. we, he, he's an awesome guy. I haven't seen Michael Heights in like forever, but yeah. he was like such an awesome dude. And, uh, and then that was like, I caught the bug after that for cycling. And so after I came back from that and was back into school, that's when I kind of was like, ah, maybe I, I think I like cycling. I want to try to just start doing that more. So I stopped doing water polo. I continued to do soccer through senior year, but I was, oh, okay. I started to do a few crits in SoCal. And then as I was looking at schools, I was applying and looking at different universities. I really wanted to go to Flagstaff, Arizona and yeah. NAU because I that's where the camp had been based and we were staying. And then I Googled cycling colleges and Fort Lewis College popped up as one of the first schools. And it was the last school my dad and I were going to go check out. And we see we saw all the schools and that was our final stop. And after looking at that college, I was interested in cycling, but I was more interested to try to ski race. I had always grown up, we had grown up skiing and going up to Mammoth, Thank but you. never lived close to the mountains. Did, <laughs> <laughs> did a lot of sports. Yeah. <laughs> so the main reason I chose Fort Lewis was to ski and try that out. So I joined the club ski team my freshman year with, with Max Nolan, who is like the club director. And I met a lot of cool guys was, through that uh, program. Was that all through Perg? Did, was that where practice was? Was it purgatory or what was uh, that? We would, do, we would do some, we would ski up at Perg, but we would actually do practices. There was this little hill off of the campus, which the campus is up on this mesa. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. And Chap, Chapman Hill. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Night, at night we would do, we would run like gates and stuff. But I quickly found out I wasn't as good as I thought I was at ski racing. <laughs> the first race I did, I... I came through. I thought I did great. I skipped a few. I skipped a few gates, but I was like, "Ah, oh, whatever. Keep rolling." I finished, and then Max Nolan he came up to me. He's like, "How did it go?" I was like, "It went really good. I, I was flowing. I skipped. I like missed a few gates, but it was great." He goes, "Dude, you, you disqualified. If you miss a gate, that's it. You're like done." I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> I learned quickly. Like, yeah, I was. I was not as good as that as I thought I had, I would be, but but it was you still know, a lot of fun. You know. <laughs> and then that's when I started to look out or look towards the cycling program more. Um, so yeah, that was like, it started with track. Um, that was the first thing I did when I got out there was the track up in Colorado Springs. And it was, it was like, you know, uh, I don't know the right like phrase for it, but we spent two weekends or three, maybe weekends from Durango. We would drive up to the Springs and then we would do like Saturday, Sunday practices and drive back and i got selected that year yeah it was a it's a far that was kind of the whole like being based in durango you were just always driving because all the schools were on the front range and so it was a it was a haul but got selected to go to the nationals for the track um and and then it just kind of like things started to just go forward from there um i each year i started to ski less and do more cycling and and then it goes, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from that point. Do, do you still ski at all? I'm curious. Yeah. I, well, not as much. I actually went up and skied yesterday. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Nice. So I went up to Park City Mountain Resort and cool. got a few runs in, but Sweet. it was really chill. And I, uh, I get, I'm like more nervous now to go skiing because I'm like, I don't want to get a, a dumb injury yeah. and then my season's ruined. So I was taking yep. it very gingerly. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, now you're in like, just as good of an area to ski even probably even better than Durango. probably better yeah i know yeah yeah they there is like as you know there's alta ski resort snowbird brighton and then all the ones up there so you got a lot of options um last year when we we went out and skied deer valley which yeah like 
go like sure you know it goes like you ski what we raced down in tour of utah which is yes. always like the funniest thing to me of being like oh yeah like i remember this <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's wild yeah. it's literally like the the, the that last downhill <laughs> yeah. is right yeah. next to where you ski your ski yeah yeah <laughs> it's hilarious um well i guess b- before we go into like your early years of um racing and such i wanted to give everyone like a little bit of your background just like in a snapshot yeah. as to like why why i'm talking to you or why they're hearing you um so in in general i mean like griffin's just had a really uh i would say pretty long career racing professionally um primarily in the u.s but you've also done quite a lot of racing abroad um and i mm-hmm. think that's pretty evident like in your result sheet and like a lot of the programs you've been a part of have been um i guess notorious for uh using uh i guess several different stuff like racing um in different continents um and then so i guess like as far as uh do you first started racing professionally it looks like in 2014 right air gas was the first one yep that was was after gateway yep um and then uh some of like just I'll ask you kind of which one you're most proud of in a second, but to rattle off a couple of results, I mean, you have two stage wins at Tour de Beaux, um, which is a super hard Canadian race. Um, You have, I mean, honestly, what I'm personally proud of is you, you walked away with 14th GC overall at Tour of Utah in 19, which is pretty sick. Um, You also got, let's see, fourth, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, fourth uh, on a stage at Tour of Utah. We've had some great results at Tour of Azerbaijan. Um, you've had some, uh, good results kind of in other areas such as, let's see, uh, Winston-Salem and other such races, but, um, I'm curious what result you're most proud of before, before gravel racing. Yes. Well, all I, that's a good question. Cause there's, there's a lot of races that, that we went to when I was, when I was racing on air gas Safeway or mm-hmm. team illuminate yeah. and like, it was looking back now, we had so many amazing opportunities to race in places that nobody else was racing. So, I mean, the one that definitely stands out that now I think about, which was kind of wild that we got to go is in, we got to go race in Iran, the tour of Iran. And so that was a pretty amazing experience that we had the, the chance of doing. And it was amazing because our, our, my teammate, Connor McCutcheon, he won the first stage. So we, we took the yellow Jersey at the tour of Iran as an American team. And so it was pretty, a pretty moment, like momentous moment for us all. Like, geez, but this is pretty, pretty crazy that we're out here in Iran. This is such an amazing experience. And we have the yellow Jersey. And then that was probably the first time ever as a team that we had the chance to defend a yellow Jersey. So that second day, it was, it was trying, you know, we were learning on the go and, and how to control a Peloton, uh, international Peloton of very, very strong riders and sacrificing for the leader, which was Connor. And that, that day, I remember there was, there was times when it was just him and I left and I was doing everything I could to manage these attacks that were just seemed like they were constantly coming towards us. And, uh, that was definitely one that I'll always remember as just an amazing experience and opportunity. Uh, more based on the results side, the the one that I think I'm most proud of would be Tour, uh, tour of Colombia, Volta mm. Colombia, because I had studied Spanish. That was my major in college was yeah. the language Spanish. And so when I got to go down there, that, that race has a huge history of being, they, some people say it's like, the fourth grand tour, you know, it's, it's one of the hardest, toughest races. You have some of the fastest guys that never leave Colombia that yeah. could be amazing riders if they went abroad, but they stay in Colombia. And so it's a very climbing race. It's long distances. It's, it's just, the stages are just wild and you go all over the country. It's 14 days. And I, I got to go down there and like, you know, who knows how it happened. I think, you know, Cullen and I did a huge block of training in high altitude in Durango with Grady James and uh, his girlfriend Haley up at their house. And we were just, we were riding the passes all day, like over Red Mountain Pass and Silverton nice. and, and doing these monster rides. And like, 
if you went down south, you knew you had to climb all the way back up to Grady's house, which is pretty much at Purgatory. Nice. And so when we went out to Columbia, the first five stages, Cullen and I were just like getting getting our socks blown off and these epic climbs where you're in the clouds and fog and you have, you know, these crowds, these amazing crowds of, of Colombians cheering you along. And the sixth stage was the queen stage. And I think it was in um, Antioquia and it was uh, Socorro to Sogamoso. And I, I, it was this crazy battle just to get into the breakaway. And I, and there was this foreign rider competition going on. So there was an Italian team and a Swiss team and then us, an American team. And it was kind of like a consolation competition nice. for, yeah, for us foreigners yeah. because they're just the, the Colombians and they're at a whole nother level down there. And so we were, we were battling against these international teams within the race. And so it was a, a pretty close comp with uh, Matteo Badilati, who's a Swiss rider, who's now on Israel Cycling Academy, but he had the jersey and I was, I think, in second or it was something like that, but he and I were kind of going back and forth. And finally I, I got the upper hand and I broke away and we, I, I linked up with like two other Colombian riders and we were like the last three guys to make it up to the front group. And Mateo did not make the group. So there was this like opportunity to maybe get some time and maybe get the best foreign rider Jersey. And so made it up to the group and it was like 17 of us. It was a big breakaway and ended up long story short, it stuck. It, it made it to the finish line and, the finish was kind of wild. Uh, you can actually look it up. There's like a, there, the whole stages are on YouTube or whatever, but cool. I think it was within the last three kilometers. Uh, it was just, you know, I was, I was trying to be as patient as I could. I learned, you know, we were teammates with Chris Horner and I learned a lot on that one season in 2015. I think it was 2015 that we were teammates, but he was always saying like, gotta be painfully patient and you just gotta, you gotta bide your time. You can't get too excited. So I was trying to just embody that mode as we were approaching the finish and uh and then yeah like as we got closer there was one guy up the road and nobody was really bridging and then all of a sudden there's this dog this dog comes running across the road Uh. and i was maybe five to six guys back and he ends up taking out the first guy within our group Uh. and it's like this guy crashes luckily it was he was fine and it was just him that crashed but all of a sudden there was this hesitation everybody like paused and like was like trying to figure out what the heck was going on and it was like that moment that split second decision where i was like i gotta go and there was still that one rider up the road and so i just like i went and i attacked and i i just like hunkered in and i was on the tops i don't even think i was in the drops but i was just like just hammering 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 and the guy that had attacked up the road you could see he was like starting to like flounder a bit and like come back and so i passed him and then I looked back and I was like, well, this might happen. <laughs> and so, and I'm telling you, there was like, it was like just lined with just thousands of people on the side. That's and awesome. I like came to the finish line. I threw my, my hands up and like, I was like, yeah, like screaming and whatever. And then you get, I like, it was so cool because I was in Colombia. My thesis that I wrote for my major was on the Vuelta Colombia. That was like what I focused Sick. on was talking That's about awesome. like, how are Colombians such good racers and riders? And so I, one of the large parts was, was like researching the Vuelta Colombia. And so I'd like put my name in the history of the Vuelta Colombia. I think there's, there's only been one other American rider that's ever won a stage at this race. The race has been going on for since like, I mean, Fausto Colpi, he came down and he raced the race. And so it was pretty special moment. I got to do an interview. I got to do an interview in Spanish. So it was like this, this culmination of two things that, uh yeah it was just awesome and that was I, i'd say that was probably my most proudest result on the road um but there's like there's so many other other races sure. that i've i've gotten to do that i i yeah. hold dear to me and but that one definitely stands out man, colin that's... was out there too it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> always makes it better yeah I, oh man, yeah that's that is not on your pro cycling stats it <laughs> that is so weird i mean it might just be like a glitch it lists that but it's under like a gc thing so okay man, yeah that's weird um <laughs> that's pretty brad that's that's awesome um uh, so spe- he was speaking to other races that he kind of uh holds uh but i you know and that's another reason i had wanted to chat with griffin today is he's done a very successful job transitioning 
um, to gravel racing predominantly. Um, and I'm, he, uh, with his brother started a really cool, um, organization that their team also kind of like is derived around. Um, and we'll touch base on that a little bit later, but the one big thing that I really wanted to dive into with Griffin was kind of the difference between, um, really that road racing approach and lifestyle and, uh, lessons learned, and then applying that towards gravel and what that looks like nowadays. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the big things we've touched a little bit on it, so we'll touch a little bit more and then we can jump into, uh, gravel in the more recent years. But one thing I wanted to hear from you is when you look back over, you know, the years racing professionally, what are some of the big pillars that stand out to you as far as like development? Like what are the key phases of development that you, um, that stand out and that you still think you use like daily, I would say, or yeah. just throughout the season? Yeah. So I think like when I was on Gateway Harley Davidson, that was definitely where I, I, I like kind of sunk my teeth into cycling. And mm -hmm. that opportunity was amazing because we got brought in from the Creed's Chris Creed, shout out to Chris Creed and his family. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the first year I'd ever really done just racing consistently throughout the summer. We got to stay at their house and it was like every weekend we were going somewhere different in the team van. And, uh, you know, that, that taught me that, you know, there is a lot to learn. Every race is a new opportunity to learn from because whether you want to admit it or not, at least for myself, you make the same mistake about a hundred times before it sticks and you don't do that mistake again and again. Yep. So I, I learned after that season that cycling is, a it, for me personally, it takes a lot of times to do something before it becomes second nature. Mm. And I guess that's true with anything that you do. Uh, but that time was really important for me to learn just that consistency is very, very important. And then when I transitioned into the pro Peloton that following year, I learned a, a huge amount, or I guess it was 2015. I learned a, a, a lot from, well, let's say 2014, we had a, a teammate, Patrick Koss, and he was, he's a Dutch rider and he had had a lot of success um, racing. I can't remember the name of it, but they have, it's a track race and they sit behind a, a moto rider and yeah. there's two guys on the track, but it's, Journey, it's like yeah, a smaller Mm -hmm. yeah smaller yeah. wheel in the front the big yeah. wheel in the back yeah and so he was like a Euro european world or european champion um nether like dutch national champion in that and so he was our teammate um in 2014 and him and i got to do the uh, philadelphia classic or tour of, yeah philly yeah. classic yeah and just having i think the next thing that I learned was whenever you have a, a teammate that's older, that has experience racing, that has been doing, doing it a long time. If you can latch onto that person, you can learn so much because I just pretty much was following him throughout that whole day and, and listening to him and, and what he was saying, like what we should do during the, the different moments when there was a decisive kind of uh, attack going on or everybody was kind of looking around or you're trying to read the race and I just you just be a, like being a sponge I think has helped me a lot and you know that race I think I finished like 18th and that was like when I had hardly any experience at all but yeah. when you're you're learning from somebody that knows what they're doing it really is a benefit um, so listen to your elder statesman <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah more or less and then you know, I like Chris Horner was a huge influence on us in 2015. And, you know, that that motto being painfully patient, uh, for me really stuck and still sticks today. And, you know, just not getting too excited. And I'm not the kind of rider that could, you know, jump at, you know, kilometer zero mile zero and, and stay away from a charging pack. I have to be more, I think, tactic tactically smart and uh advantageous throughout the race because i don't have maybe huge power but i have enough to kind of be wily and and smart with it and so that's you know uh getting that experience with chris horner in 2015 was really big because we also got to race we raced in azerbaijan with him and that's when i got my first like fourth place azerbaijan stage uh result and that was purely based off of listening to his advice during the race. There was these, it was super, super fast at the beginning of the race lined up and, you know, you got guys just jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping. 
And I was, I was just as eager to jump. And then he goes, Hey, Hey, easy. He goes still way too fast right now. He goes, just hang out right here. It's like, stick by me. And then he goes, I'll just let you know, like, when's a good time to go. And so I was like, all right. So I, I calmed down and it was like, it was, it had been like an at one of those beginning of the races where it seems like it's like hours that yeah. it's just going nuts. And so finally he's like, all right, that's the one go. And so it was like, I went and uh, I don't know if you remember the Connor, uh, man, Connor, Connor, the super tall Irish kid that was on Israel. Oh, uh, uh, cycling. Gosh, he's on GCN now. Yeah. He's an announcer for yeah. them. Yeah. 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 So Connor, he was up in that breakaway and I was actually like, it was four of us or five of us. Uh, and I was just sitting on his wheel. I was like getting the most amazing draft <laughs> I could ever have imagined. <laughs> But we ended up staying away and yeah, it was, it was, it must've been, it was four of us. Cause I like got cool. fourth out of four. Uh, but by the, but that was just, you know, learning those in race moments, I think go so far down, down the road in your career. And uh, when you ever, whenever you have that opportunity to learn from somebody that has more experience and more su success than you do when you're younger. Totally. Um, and then like, maybe looking more at training uh these past couple of years i actually have been like i was working with chris horner uh with training and getting his like it was just huge we've been doing huge huge volume and mm -hmm. and just the consistency was i think translates really well with with anything and i think it especially yeah. in cycling you can't just hop expect to hop on the bike one day and then go into a race and and do well it has to, it's like every single day. So I don't know how I haven't become burned out at this point. <laughs> I guess I love it. Uh, but yeah, that, that consist like consistency, I think is so important in cycling. And yeah, I think those two things, listening to people who have more experience and who can teach you something and then being consistent with your work, I think really goes a long way. And then the final part, I would say that I have always tried to embody and that I've kind of realized is I always do better when I'm having fun versus yeah. when I'm super serious, super like single minded and like, because you have these waves where you have an event on the calendar, you really want to do well at, and you're, you're just, you're approaching it. You're preparing perfectly. You get to the event and you're so single minded and then you end up not doing well. And it, and then it's like a stage race and you're like, well, that's over. But, at least with the stage races, you had a new opportunity each day. So once that like first, you know, I was, over, I was over, you know, commit or over concentrated on this, this event, you're more relaxed and you're having fun. And all of a sudden the, 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 the wheels would start clicking and, and everything seemed to be a lot easier. So having fun is always, has always been kind of the foundation where I've always wanted to go from. And yeah, that. Because yeah, you have to. I have to be having fun, otherwise it's it's, a it's too much of a grind. Yeah, man, I, I that was that's one of the things that I wish I could go back and tell myself is like figure out how to do this in it's a different hard. way. It is, yeah, it's hard not to it's really hard. overthink it or put more yeah. pressure on yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, because you have all these expectations totally that you've built up or that you know you think that well, you want to do your the best that you can do, and you want to make you know, what the sponsors that you have on board, like excited and right. happy with, with, so you have all these different pressures and it gets, it gets tough. But yeah. I think if you can fall back on, like, it's a lot easier said than done. Like you probably know, but if yep. you can try to remind yourself to just, dude, I'm riding on my bike. This is yep. awesome. I'm having fun. I'm leaving. I'm like getting to live this, this amazing dream finally. Okay. And I think that helps a lot, but like you said, it's, it's hard to always realize that. So it's yeah. easy on a podcast to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much in a race. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I, towards the back half of when I was racing, I was trying to remind myself, like, this is just a bike race. Like we're just, I'm just going to ride yeah. from this point to this point and, and try and do yep. it quickly. Yeah. It's exactly. perspective goes a long way. Um, it does. So, yeah, touching on your training point, you were self-coached for a long time, right? Like is that, that I yeah. also remember when we were teammates. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we had gotten a lot of good kind of coaching when we were in college. And mm -hmm. so I kind of just stuck with that program. 
And then it was, yeah. And up until like the last couple of years ago when I, I linked up with, with Horner for help and it, yeah, like we learned a lot. Like I, I owe a lot to Fort Lewis college cycling. Cause it was such a, like, it was such a great, you know, foundation to, uh, you know, a stepping stone into the, you know, pro Peloton. And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, that was kind of my, my go-to. What's, uh, I guess, what made you decide to be coached, I guess, what made you make uh, that transition? Well, I had nothing to lose. I, I kind of okay. had nothing to lose. And I was, you know, it's, I think I, change is always good. It's like, you know, after you do something for a long time, it's, I think it's good both like mentally and, and physically to like kind of switch things up and yeah. make it exciting Definitely. again and make it fresh. And so like have you know corner come in and help me out that was like that's it's it's awesome to have that new perspective on what to do and it held, holds you more accountable too to, it does. Yeah. to like get workouts done so you have been doing uh i guess gravel focused for two years then did you start that in 21 you were racing in europe in 21 i did okay i did so okay. on the road i was so right when we so our final year at 303 mm -hmm. i had a pretty successful year and yep. was hoping that i could get onto a maybe a, a bigger more well-supported team then COVID came in and kind of just shut everything down and so that was when like once the racing was pretty much like wasn't going to happen that's when i got a job working at the same hospital cullen was working at actually as a psych tech and so I got, so his nursing manager at the time, Cheryl, she was always trying to get me to come and work at the hospital because she loved Colin. And she's like, we got to get your brother in here working too. And I, I was always hesitant because I was racing and I didn't want to fully commit to, it was a full-time job. And so I knew that if I did that, it would be much harder to train and to do the races that I needed to do. But then once COVID came through, I had to, it was just easy, an easy option. Like there was no other option to keep racing. Yeah. So that's when I, I got that job working at the University of Utah Health at the, at well, it's now called Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that was where I worked for two years. I think it was about two years I was working there. Um, and at the tail end of that, when things started to reopen again, my my buddy Cormac, who went to school with me in Durango, he had raced for, he's like American, he has dual citizenship, uh, both Irish and American. And he raced for the Evo pro team in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I've always was saying to him, Hey, like, how do you know anybody over there in Europe that's looking for a rider? And he mentioned that there was this team that they'd race against uh, start cycling team. And there's a number of like Rene Correa, I think mm -hmm. uh, okay. he's a Mexican rider, but he was on uh, KHS. I think he was on KHS for a while or no jelly belly. He was a jelly oh, belly okay. rider, okay. but raced in the U S and he was on that team for quite some time after Jelly Belly. But so I kind of knew about the team. And then once again, the Spanish came up. I mean, I always want to continue growing that aspect in my life yeah. is just Spanish language. And so this team is based in Odenard, Belgium. And I reached out to the director and manager, Mauricio Fraser. And he's from Argentina. And the team is, you know, Argentinian, like uh, they're an Argentinian managed uh, team. And so I got on the phone with him, was talking to him. He said, look, I, I can't pay you. I can't, you know, uh, do anything like financially. But he goes, if you can get out here and you can support yourself with food, he goes, then the like equipment side, housing and getting to the races is all covered. So he's like, if Sweet. you can get out here, then I think we can make this work. So, yeah, when you got over there, then. So, cause you took yes. out the offer then and then yep. what happened? Like, how was the experience over there? Yeah. So I, I got over there and was, you know, expecting to race and, because yeah, I mean, you go over to Belgium and there's, there's so many races. It's, it's, there's like too many races to yeah. even yeah. do. And so, yeah. uh, unfortunately though, the reality was it was still like COVID, you know, mm. COVID was still a, a very real thing over there. And so I think, you know, long story short in the, in the, well, the 90 days that you can be out there with a tourist visa, I raced three races. Ooh. And so it was, oh, it was like, when we first got there, it was probably like 
three weeks before we did our first two races and they were up in Denmark. And, mm. and so they were two one day races, but fr- like Saturday, Sunday. And it was still overall, it was an amazing experience just to, to finally get over there. Cause I had yet to go over and, and race in proper Europe, uh, cycling, yeah. like cycling world, cycling terrain. Um, and so those two races were absolutely wild. It was like, welcome to the big leagues. Uh, this isn't your, like your, 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 you know, backyard race here in the U S it was full on, uh, the fastest racing that I've ever been, been a part of. And it was different than a, it was one day races. So it was much different than a stage race. Uh, it was, you know, Belgian, it was, even though it was in Denmark, it was very, very tight farm roads. Uh, positioning was a very, very big factor in the race. There was, there was gravel in, in the race, actually. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, lots of it, but just, just the number of people um, that are talented, it's the whole Peloton versus maybe the top 20 or 20 to 40 guys in the U.S. So, mm. you know, it's not just, oh, it's like these guys are fast. It's you're looking, you're at the very back and it's, they're just as good as you are and you're just hanging on by a thread. And so the beginning, I actually did pretty well with positioning for a while. um, But then I got caught up in a crash on the gravel. And then after that, I kind of was, was thinking maybe it's not as bad if I, if I'm a little bit further back and that was a big mistake. That's the end of it. Because it's just turn after turn after turn, acceleration, deacceleration. And you come into these turns and you're slowing down to a crawl. And then you're looking, <laughs> you're looking down the road at where the front guy are, front guys are and they're strung out in a line and you're having to like jump to get up to like 35 miles an hour. So I think it was a 220 or 230 day kilometer day. And I made it to like a hundred, like 200 K. And I like, oh. I just completely blew up and like was licking my wounds into the finish <laughs> Um, and so that was, it was like a carbon copy each of those days, Saturday, Sunday. So the thing that I was, was like pumped about was like, all right, well, it's hard out here. It's very, very fast. These guys are good, but at least I have the next 90 days to, you know, try to perfect and, and get a little bit of a rhythm going. And then we just, unfortunately the team, it's a smaller team. They're not reg- They're not a Belgian registered team. They're, uh, like that year so they've been registered in argentina they've also been registered like this last the year i was out there it was a venezuelan registered team um and so it was a venezuelan registered team in belgium and so there was a there was many like the number of races was much less that year because of covid so the priority would go to the world tour teams then it would go to the pro conti teams and it would go to the belgian registered continental Uh, teams right then it would go to the belgian like uh Kermis national teams oh, and then no. we were like the final the final you know like afterthought and so it was just the perfect storm of of covid and it was just bad timing is what it yeah. was and so yeah. i did the, the i did one more race at the very end of my stay out there and it was in brussels and i actually i was doing great like it was the the skies were just like it was this thick carpet of gray and it wasn't raining yet but it was like it was about to just unleash and we got to the starting line and as we were standing there it just opened up like raining cats and dogs and they started us off and I was holding I was doing really well I was holding good position I must have been you know top 20 top 10 and uh we made it about an hour and I made it into the front group it was like maybe 15 of us and and like there was nobody else in sight we were gone (laughs) And, uh, and then they canceled the race because the road started to flood and they were like coming, like water was coming up through the, the manholes. Like wow. it was like thick, it was like feet of water. Epic. And so it was kind of funny. Like you think, you know, you're in Belgium, there's no way they'd cancel a race for rain, but they canceled that race for rain. So, uh, <laughs> dude, bummer that, yeah, but it was okay. I mean, I like looking back now, I wouldn't be where I am today if that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So that was what led to doing Get, like jumping into gravel because so, I was talking with Colin and he said, yo, like you should come back and there's plenty of races at like, there's a lot of gravel races going on. You should just come back and try some of them and see how it goes. And so 
that was kind of like what led me towards doing some gravel. So how, how did it go? So you came back, which ones did you try first yeah. and how did they so, go? So they, they, they went actually pretty well. So I did over the he's first being, ones that I did. He's being modest. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, so I did like, uh, the one, like Rebecca's private Idaho. I won, mm-hmm. I won that last stage, the baked potato. It's like the, yeah. the, the main, the main stage of her, her stage. stage race. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I won that and that was versus, uh, you know, Peter, Peter Stetna and, um, Colin Strickland were on the podium there. Um, and then what were the other ones? I like, I'm for some reason I'm just blanking out, but, um, like, so, uh, Cedar city BWR yep. I finished yep. second to Stetna and we had, we'd like crested the top of the, the main climb at the end of the race together. It was just him and I, and I, unfortunately after that, there's this quite technical section and I sliced my sidewall and I like got a flat, but I was able to, you know, maintain my second place, uh, to the finish line. Uh, and then there was, there might've been one more race in there peppered in, but I, I had had like a number of podiums and yeah. it was like, it just kind of was clicking and it, it was, uh, it, it was coming a lot easier than the racing in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what, what, what are the different? I, yeah. What are the differences? I'm curious. Um, that's a good question. I think, I think it's a lot less, uh, well, the roads aren't as narrow, as, as, <laughs> but they kind of yeah, are narrow. They kind of are at sections. the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's single track and there's all these different like sections of, of technicality, but I think it's, you have, maybe it's, uh, you have to be like more of a well-rounded rider, like mm-hmm. across all disciplines, mm-hmm. not just on the road. Uh, because like growing, like going to school in Durango, I did a lot of mountain biking and I didn't, I didn't necessarily race mountain bikes, but I, I rode a lot with my buddies. And so I, I gained a lot of maybe technical skills through mm-hmm. that experience. And then I had all this like experience on the road with just super fast races and long distance races and then it kind of was like the two of those being thrown together are what gravel kind of is and I think it's it's kind of it clicks for me so far (laughs) it's getting more and more competitive though that's for sure since that year that I came back from Belgium and this year it's there's there's more and more guys coming from the road and it's like it's a lot faster like the last race we did this year was Big Sugar and that race was probably it had the same feeling that I had when I was at those races in Belgium, like the, the nonstop from zero to the finish where it was just so fast, so hard, like all day long. And, uh, Rob Britton, actually, I was talking with him after the race and he's like, dude, that was a proper, that was a proper race. He goes, that was like (laughs) what it felt like when I was over in in Europe, like racing some of those one day classics, he goes, that was ridiculous. So (laughs) it's kind of cool to hear yeah, somebody it's a good comparison like from his background saying that and yeah. uh so it's this it's really neat though that uh you know it's it's a while it's crazy it's like this this new avenue this new genre of cycling and it's exploding and there's all of this support in it there's that aspect of it's a mass start event so you have like it's actually it's very successful it's a race that's very successful in the u.s uh sporting world in cycling it's really seeming to be taking off but also sustaining it's not it doesn't feel like it's just going to go up and then go down i feel like you have just it's that mass start aspect to it you know you have people that want to from all backgrounds coming together and getting that opportunity to line up with the fastest women the fastest men and going out and everybody's sharing that that same suffering or that same experience that you get out there and i think that that's a very successful kind of platform to make an event yeah and it's and, and like speaking to what we spoke about earlier about keeping things fun has do you feel like mm-hmm. gravel has had or you've had better success keeping things fun um, in this environment than maybe you did on the road? I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, this last year, for instance, we, we got to go out and race PS pro Nats, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Colin and I, and, yeah. uh, it was, you know, it, when you go, like, I didn't, 
I have, I love road racing first off. Like I still, I have a huge love for road racing. I, there's something about stage races that I just, I love yeah. that day in day out where, like I said, it's every day is a new opportunity. You, you, I mean, like for me, I feel like I get better over the, the period, like the, the period of time in a stage race. So that's something that I, I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and, but when we went back to us pro Nats, that's, and that's always a, a typically very high intense pressure, uh, race on the calendar, yep. like yep. out of all of the races, that is always the hardest race, not only physically, but mentally, because everybody, everybody wants to be us pro now, like it's national champion. It's yeah. everybody's dream. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so, and the, re- and the rest we, doesn't matter. <laughs> and the rest yeah. doesn't matter. Like fourth, fifth, <laughs> sixth doesn't matter. It's, it's yeah. just the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but we were laughing because, you know, we came from like, I think maybe the week or two weeks before we came from a gravel race and you're just like, kind of, you don't realize that it's much more laid back. But then when we went to the road race, we were like kind of chuckling and laughing, like, dude, like it's pretty intense. Like <laughs> nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. Nobody's like joking or laughing and not everybody, but it was definitely a, a change in atmosphere. Um, but that's just the nature of road racing. And, and I think that it's still, a very good opportunity, a very good, um, like aspect of cycling that a lot of people should, should take undertake because it, you do learn a lot about racing. Yeah. You learn a lot, a lot about your, yourself in a race. And, and I think it does help you in gravel racing. I think just tactically it's an advantage to know, to know how to read a pack or know how to read a breakaway or a Peloton or riding too close to people. So I think that's what's so neat about gravel. It's this culmination of everything. You got mountain biking, cross, track. I don't know how track factors in, but it does probably. <laughs> uh, road, BMX, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like, what gravel is. Yeah. It, it is kind of a cool combination of it. Cause you, I mean, like, I'm sure you've seen it in some of the gravel races you'll get in, be find somebody that doesn't like at the front that doesn't know how to do a pace line. Um, yeah. and you're just like, oh, this is an interesting world that we're in now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yep. Yep. so, I mean, obviously you found pretty decent success very quickly, um, which Thank makes you. sense, honestly, <laughs> coming from you, like, um, I do see you kind of as a very all around style racer. And I mean that in Thanks. a positive way. Um, but what's, <laughs> what does next year look like? What are you, I guess, like, what are you, are you building on what you had in this past year? And, and what does that look like? Yeah. So I will be focusing again on, on gravel. I won't be trying to get it on, onto a road team for this next year. Okay. Um, but it's going to be very, a similar calendar to this year with an emphasis on trying to get into a lifetime grand prix. So okay. I'll, cool. I'll apply cool. again to try to get into that. Um, hoping, hoping to get into that. And, but even if it doesn't happen, uh, I'll still go to try to get as to as many of those races as I can. So unbound, uh, Leadville trail, 100, uh, big sugar, uh, what was a uh, crusher in the, t- or tusher in the yeah. crusher. Yeah. Cause those, all those races are, you're getting the fastest guys and girls going to those races. So yep. it's, it's fun and it's more fun to go to the fastest races and see where you stack up. And, you, uh, have, yeah. Have you done any of those? The ones you just listed. Yeah. So I did this year. I did, um, let's see, I did, uh, unbound. I did Leadville. I did big sugar. I did crusher and tusher. I did, uh, SBT. Wow. Um, Man. so I, I was able to, I did like four of the six lifetime events this year, minus Shaquamigan and minus sea otter. I had actually, I was planning to do sea otter, but I crashed descending Mount mm-hmm. lemon and I got a concussion and had uh, to like take dude. time off the bike. Uh, it was, crappy Ugh, but gnarly. yeah and yeah like i yeah i uh i'm thankful for helmets that's for sure <laughs> yeah. um so but yeah so out of all those i i had like a pretty good ride at crusher i finished third there um and so i would love to to do those again because i like the for instance unbound i was i finished 18th on the day but i man you learn a heck of a lot after oh, yeah. doing one of those oh, and you yeah. just and you want to go back to trying to do better and so that's definitely one of the one of my goals for next year would be unbound and then even leadville i mean that was yeah. my first time doing leadville and that is such an iconic race it and 
Oh boy. That was, uh, that was, uh, just a heck of a day. I came into that weekend, the lead boat, I did the lead boat weekend. Um, and I, I had, I think I took it too far, uh, in training, like one week too much. And so I showed up and I was, I was pretty fatigued Ooh. and I, we started with, um, it was, it was, yeah, Leadville was the first one. And we started out on that first climb and I was doing fairly well. I was up at the front, but then I just like exploded. Like I, I didn't re- like that out. I've lived at altitude. I've raced at altitude, but that is like a whole nother ball it's game. A, Cause you're at world. 10. Yeah. Have you done, you've done yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 Um, holy dude, moly. It. Yeah. You only climb up. It's not, it, yeah. you only climb up. Yeah. The base is, <laughs> There are many races. I don't think, I don't know about you. I don't know. I don't think I've ever done a race other than Leadville that like you start yeah. at 10 and then you just, you're working off of 10. That's basically. You're working. <laughs> that's your, that's your bottom. The you minimum. Know? Yeah. The, yeah. 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 It was. So I, I love like, it was kind of my goal this year was to try to do as many of the races that I could as possible so yeah. that I could get experience at them and I could see the race and then take that into this coming year as uh just learning the different parts of the course and where to be and what not to do (laughs) and fueling like that's one thing fueling um taking care of your bike protecting like your equipment you're not you're by yourself in all of these races yeah that's a big difference (laughs) exactly yeah which i've learned the hard way a lot of times that you know that's one of the parts of gravel that's it's both a ble- it's both a blessing but it's also a very frustrating part to gravel mm-hmm. is you have an issue with with your your equipment and then and that's kind of like unless you're you're it's very a very quick turnover and you're able to get back on it's all it's almost always like that's your day like you can yeah. make, you can salvage the day but you're not going to be probably back up at the front so yeah it's, if you, it's this yeah if you do it's a huge match so it's, exactly yeah it's mm-hmm. Yeah. That happened to me this year at uh the the Cedar City BWR. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I had an issue, an equipment issue, at six miles in, and uh, Colin, we we had to swap wheels, and so I oh, I nice. got a wheel from Colin. Nice. But then I spent like all my matches to get back up to the front group, and it was like I got back up, but it was uh yeah I I finished second on the day, but it was a it was Dang. a lot of matches to yeah. finish second. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> impressive so uh dang well um not i mean i'm excited to see you apply i guess like what you uh learned this past year and see if you can build on it oh dude before we uh move on but uh how did you feel after lead boat what was your sensations because i i did that the year before and i was blown away at what i kind of like felt (laughs) during steamboat yeah so i'm yeah. curious like blown away in a absolutely destroyed well, kind of a way or yeah. good like i feel yeah. stronger than i've ever felt well, kind of a uh, way. <laughs> definitely not i i didn't train for it but the it reminded me of uh after like 10 day stage races what the sensations yeah. were where i was like oh it's the yes. final day of the stage race you're really fatigued but you can also keep pedaling but you can't go above yeah. a certain you know parameter so yeah yep. I, I'm, yeah how did you feel on at steamboat uh, i guess i i felt i've never felt worse than i did like <laughs> good, good oh, no. pulling up to the start line i because i i just destroyed myself at leadville the hour or whatever it was like seven or ten hours before up in yeah. up in leadville colorado for that race and um like i said i i had oh i was definitely overtrained i had overtrained myself by like one week going into those two that weekend and then uh, at Steamboat, it was like every little inc- every little incline that we hit, it just it was like a deep hurt. And uh, and then after that, I I took like I took I had to take time off the bike and like reset and actually rest because I was yeah. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't resting enough. And I realized that resting is pretty important when you're tired. Nope. And listen it to is. your body if it's yeah. saying, yeah, you're tired, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah, you can't always just keep grinding. Um, but like to to you know touch base on what you said, I was I was so fatigued after that weekend. It was it was like the nails were in the coffin on that one. I it took some time to come back from that, but I I did eventually. But it it was a tough weekend. <laughs> uh, are you gonna do that next year? 
I I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna plan to do Leadville and SPT. I'm not right. sure if it will be uh the lead. I don't know if the lead boat is gonna happen again. I remember really. I've heard like chatter that maybe huh. it might not be the back to back, but it might be like one weekend and the uh, the next weekend. Hmm. So maybe not as as bad you know, stacked stacked <laughs> yeah. on top of each other. But yeah. even if it is, I'm 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 gonna I'm I want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess, after having Keegan win both. Yeah, I know. They're probably like, well, I guess this doesn't really matter as much anymore. <laughs> it's not as much of a challenge. So, it's like, it's uh, not that hard, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> God, it's such a ridiculous thing. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess like on a final note, um, I did want to talk about the, uh, is it a foundation? Have you guys like kind of made yeah. it a, so okay, a not-for-profit? Cool. Yep, yep. Cool. It's an official 501c3 nonprofit right. foundation. Right. Um, yeah. Why don't, okay. So why don't, I'll let you kind of dive into it and tell me a bit about it and kind of where I want to know where it came from. Yeah. Just, yeah. Lay it on me. What, and totally. this is, and then how it's wrapped up into um, the team that you guys have created and, and what, the, how you bring that into the races too. Yeah. So in roughly 2020, so Cohen was working he got his first job working um, at as a nurse, and we we both moved out from Colorado to Utah, um, and he had kind of made some connections through with the University of Utah Health through the tour of Utah. So he he had actually talked with some of the medical staff that were on the on the race, and we both fell in love training in Utah and seeing just the terrain out here is just amazing for riding. And so he decided that he really wanted to try to work out here in Salt Lake City. And so he applied, he, he got accepted, he got his first nursing job, but it was at um, uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute, uh, which is a psych- psychiatric hospital. And so he was working on the adult detox floor and the mood and behavior floor, but major- the majority of his time was on the adult detox floor. And so that was roughly 2020. And, uh, and at the same time, um, so our cousin, Matt, he, he was struggling with a heroin ad- addiction at the same time. And so we, he was working in it firsthand and he was seeing the effects that, you know, the, the opioid epidemic was having and just that it, it can, it can impact anybody. It's not a, a certain demographic of person that can get affected by uh, opiate addiction. And so at the same time, Matt was struggling with this addiction and, you know, his family was doing everything they could to, to get him, get him help. And, and so he was kind of in and out of recovery. And then unfortunately they, they got, they, they got that phone call that he had passed away to an overdose. And so we were like, just racking our brains and we were you know here in salt lake city over dinner and we were talking about it and and we had always had cycling and that was such a positive impact on our lives it you know there's accountability there's there's uh you know there's just the day in the day out it's it's always kind of there through the thick and thin the bike is there and so we're like let's try to do something so that this doesn't have to be a story over and over and over with people let's try to help people and so that was where opicure foundation was born was here in salt lake city roughly 2020 we wanted to use the bike to help people in in opioid recovery uh better their lives and to to live a healthier healthier overall life and so um that's kind of the the mission of the foundation is to utilize the bicycle to help in um opioid recovery and so that's that's what we like the long and the short is 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 our mission and what we do at the foundation and um fast forward to this last year and it was our first year that we took on a rider in recovery and so we had put out an application to the recovery community here in utah and this individual name was is lucy kaiser brill she applied to the program and she had a background in bikepacking and was was uh had experience riding um and hold on one i think colin might try to hop on if, oh sweet cool yeah, yeah. so yeah. he just texted me if you want yeah let's do um, it let's do it okay all right cool so now we have colin with us uh so howdy yeah <laughs> the duo we have the duo reunited all right um 
Paul, I'd love to hear just uh, Griff gave us a kind of like a, a little bit of a brief uh, background on the foundation and kind of how that began to be. Um, and I honestly, I'd love to hear like what you've kind of like seen the benefit of it and was and kind of where that um, idea kind of came from in the first place too. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the idea kind of started around, I would want to say probably a year after we were racing together, Mm -hmm. Isaiah. So the last, I think 2019 was like the last year we were racing. Um, but that was also the first year I was working as a nurse and, and we were racing. And so had got my first job on the adult detox unit over at university of Utah. And so was seeing kind of firsthand the struggles of addiction, uh, specifically with opioid use disorder. And then learning of our cousin, Matt back East, who was struggling with the heroin addiction. Um, it was this culmination of like seeing it firsthand, also hearing your own family struggling with it. Um, and then getting that horrible call that, you know, Matt had passed away to a, an overdose. And so, I think it was at that time that Griff and I, we were out to dinner one night and we both kind of were like, you know, one, this is just the worst. And, you know, so, and then, you know, seeing it at work, just how many families uh, and individuals going through the same problem, we were like, okay, well, let's try to do something to help with that. And so naturally, you know, the bike had been so such a positive influence on our life. Um, we just thought, okay, it's got to be the bike. Um, and so we got super excited because we thought this, this will be such an effective tool to incorporate into someone's recovery and um, that structure, that community, um, and just being healthy uh, would be a good addition to anybody's recovery in that position. So we, that was where OP Cure kind of got born was in that in that dinner when we were just, you know, kind of brainstorming things out and then quickly realized as we, as I started going back to work and talking about the bike, that it was like, everybody just lit up when they heard, they're like, I would ask what was your first memory of the bike? And it was always positive. It was always, that was the first form of freedom. Uh, it was hanging out with the, the local kids in your neighborhood. It was going, doing all your like daily activities and a lot of times, and most times it was, you know, that was a time when you weren't addicted to anything. It was, you know, you were free of addiction. So we like right then I was like, okay, we're on to something, but obviously the biggest hurdle was, well, I can't, I can't afford a bike or like, there's no way I could do this. It's too expensive. Mm. And so then we were thinking, okay, well, how do we eliminate that barrier? Um, and so just kind of, yeah, it just from there, it just snowballed. We, we, you know, make, we got a good team behind us. We got, I, I reached out to all the addiction doctors, cool. um, got a good advisory board for our foundation. We got our 501 C three, um, with the help of our old water polo coach, uh, yeah. Bob Moore. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just, it kind of segued into these gravel events. We, we found that these gravel events were like the perfect arena to take individuals like, um, cause we, we started this rider and recovery program. So we'll be taking an individual who's, you know, been in, you know, recovery at different points of the recovery, um, from opioid use disorder. And we basically fully sponsor them through for an entire year, wow. um, taking them to all of the, the Belgium waffle, ride events and so um yeah that was you know probably our biggest launch onto getting it out into the public getting people to see it a lot more was when we linked up with uh michael marks with belgium waffle rides and he saw the vision and he was like this is an awesome idea and then um from there you know the goal is just to slowly build that program out uh last year was our first year with one rider um this year we're going to be adding two new riders. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, and you know, I think going back to your question, like how do we see it helping? Um, Mm -hmm. just, just seeing how it helped our first rider, Lucy, um, she came to us with 60 days in recovery. Um, you know, 
we gave her, you know, four gravel events, four of these Belgium waffle rides, um, structured coaching and training, uh, you know, bike gear, travel, lodging, you know, the essentially, you know, Griff and I, we want to try to make it like how it was when we were racing, you know, like just yeah. that feeling of like, you're, you're a part of something. Cool. And it was like, it worked. It was like, she, she was stoked. She wanted to go to these events. There's, there's a couple of them throughout the year. So it was like, it wasn't just like train for one thing and then you're, you're done. It was like a season of, of riding. And, uh, and so she's, she was so excited. She's, you know, got a year sober now, um, with the program. Wow. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to just continue to gather that data to continue, um, taking these new riders to these, you know, new events and Belgium waffle ride keeps adding more events. And yeah. so it's like, it's, it couldn't be a better situation. It's just so exciting to like, ho hopefully we can really prove that this like works, that this is an effective tool to add to your recovery. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an exciting journey, a lot of hard work and we're, we're stoked for 2023. Dude, man, guys, that's, that's rad. Good for you too. That's great. Applying Thank like you. greater purpose to, I don't know, bike racing. We've all been doing this for a long time and to have a greater purpose to it is pretty cool. So yeah, nice work. Thanks. Thanks. Well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, thanks for joining me. Sorry. Uh, this is about to kick us off here, but um, dude, Colin, I'm glad you're able to join. Um, yeah. To this dude. project. Dude, it's great to see. It's great to see both of you um, and have fun this year. Yeah. Good luck. Um, I hope to Thank be you. out there a little bit. I'll see maybe one. Do it. Two, yeah. <laughs> I'll see. This uh, directing side keeps me busy, but yeah. that's all right. Um, but cool. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being yep. on. Uh, and yeah, just look forward to seeing you guys hopefully soon.